This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton Whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Since 1973, the art of engraving brings to life the artistry that Montana Silversmiths is known for and is fueled by a passion for the Western lifestyle. Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry are more than accessories. They are stories, stories of moments and memories shared through the giving, receiving, and earning of Montana Silversmiths' buckles and jewelry. Celebrate what matters with Montana Silversmiths. Well, welcome to episode number 78 of According to Flint. Coincidentally, the year Sage Kimsey was born, 1978. <laughs> the seven-time PRCA world champion bull rider himself. Lots to talk about. Good to see you, buddy. As I, I see you a lot nowadays, but good to see you. Yeah, we've been we've been running into each other quite a bit, but uh, shoot, thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, it's uh, as we record this, and uh, I guess as it airs originally, coming off the big uh, Carolina Cowboys homestand in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, good, first of all, good to see you had some family there. For one, Trey's always there, um, but Alexis and and Steele, the in laws, that's not. That, that's cool to see that. I always enjoy seeing your wife. Of course, we have a long history of broadcasting things, but uh, good to take them, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's uh, Trevor Castor and I were talking about it. it. It's definitely it changes the dynamic of rodeo a little bit, having the family there, and especially with little man running around because he's just a full time job. So it keeps Alexis pretty booked up. Um, but yeah, it's great always having family at the events, and especially the older I get. Um, you know, the, the more it means to have, to have some family there to support and uh, get to spend time with them. Um, through the years, I've talked to guys who maybe get married or, or have a new baby. And I always think that it can go uh, one of two ways. It either can put more pressure, like, oh no, I got to do better for my family or put perspective in that. This is just bull riding. I have a family. I see you as a guy because you've done this long enough. To me, when I look at you with them around, it's a, it's more of a perspective. Uh, you seem relaxed. You seem more human, if if I can say that. Uh, am I right on that? Oh, for sure. Um, but, you know, I mean, even like the second night after you get, get bucked off, bull falls down and come back. And I was pretty upset with just kind of everything. Um and come back and then, you know, Steele runs in the locker room and comes over there and gives me a hug. And it is, it's one of those kind of, kind of reset moment. Like, all right, well, it, you know, bull riding's important and it's, it's what I do to make a living, but it's mm. not really that important whenever you look yeah. at the big scheme of things. So I'd say the perspective shift is, it's a good way to put it. No, I just sneezed in the middle. That, that is a first in yeah. my career. Blair, Blair, I just sneezed. In. Thank you. <laughs> I've been, uh, <laughs> See, edit point. That's an edit point. I've had uh, 
Oh my gosh. That's a first. I always worry about being on CBS. Hey, let's send it down to Flint. And I sneeze. Cause I struggle down there. <laughs> Dude, that's you. Thanks. And I, 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 it down to me. <laughs> I can actually leave this part in. I've always been out in the arena and I'm a, a lot of people don't know. I'm allergic, allergic to everything in there. Dust bowls since I was a kid, you know, but I've always been out in the arena moving around and standing on the back of the shoots. I've been struggling. I take allergy medicine and inhalers. And at the end of the day, your hat's covered with dust. No wonder we struggle. It's, it's yeah. tough back there. Yeah, it is for sure. Like literally the only thing that keeps me going is like the, the Flonase mist. Like it is the only thing that I have found. If I oh. take it before the event, all good. But if I don't like it's bad. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> yeah. I'm always yeah. looking for solutions. There's a uh, pro tip right here. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know the family thing. You know, having family there. You're right. It, it it's funny. Uh, my fam, my girls used to know. Um, like an hour before a show, even in my case, and I'm not riding bulls. That's dad's grouchy time. They always said, oh, no, you guys, they'd have friends and stuff, you know, out on the rodeo trail in the butt in the motor home. And they go, come on, you guys, we're going. Well, why? Well, it's dad's grouchy time. He's good. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Because uh, I'm the same way, too. And it's like you, you got to go to this mental place. But like you really look at it and you're just like, oh, that's just horrible. Yeah. Well, I, you're I know. Listen, you. You grew up traveling with Rodeo Clown, your dad, your dad. I think, and I, I say this jokingly about your dad, because I've known your dad forever. His, his grouchy time was longer than most. I think, I think Ted had a longer grouchy time. It is just, it is such an oxymoron to me to think of a grumpy Rodeo Clown. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My girls is a dad, you need to. When I was questioning whether I wanted to quit in the arena or not, and they they said you need to you need to before you become one of those old bitter rodeo clowns. There's something about uh, having to be smiling and funny all the time that can make you really grouchy. It's it is it's an oxymoron. It's jumbo shrimp. It's yeah yeah. I'm with you on that, man. So the big talk uh, last spring, big deals made P- team. PBR teams. The first talk was, Hey, there's some uh, PRCA guys going to come and ride in teams. The second talk was, wow, Josh Frost and Sage Kimsey. The third talk was Austin Dillon figured out how to get two draft picks in a row. And he's going to take them both. And you were caught all it, it caught in the middle of that, but that's a pretty fun thing to be caught in the middle of really. Oh, it was super fun. It was one of those things first off. And I've said it, uh, on television, I thought it was awesome that, and I'm very thankful that the PBR called last year whenever I was hurt um, and gave me a chance to you know, make a living and provide for my family doing the TV work that I did. Um, was and I had talked a lot about it last year um, about possibly signing up in the supplemental draft for last year. Um, then obviously. You know, didn't decide to do it, got hurt right after. Um, but long story short, teams was something that was very interesting to me. Um, and, I mean, I really do think it's the biggest thing to happen to bull riding since the PBR founders broke away from rodeo and, and founded the PBR. Um, 
so with that being said, it was something I learned of. I didn't know exactly how it looked in my career and with my goals. Um, but, you know, getting to see kind of an inside look at it last year, doing the TV, it, um, it made me even more excited to, to be a part of it this year, you know, going into the draft, there was, there was a lot more talent in, in the second draft class than I think anybody really kind of anticipated with, you know, me and Josh kind of headlining the draft class. Um, but yeah, it was fun. Uh, you know, I hired, hired Catherine Merck to, to represent me, be my agent in the deal. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of time and, and a lot of headache for her, I'm sure getting everything worked out, but, um, you know, I couldn't be happier. Austin, Austin traded up to the first and second draft pick, like you said, kind of, kind of moved some mountains around to get that done. And, um, you know, got me and Josh on the same team. Uh, we, we've all been a little banged up this year, but it's been, been good. Yeah. Well, like, uh, Jerome Davis, your coach said to me a couple of weekends ago, as you know, I visit with you guys on the back of the shoots as part of TV. I can get a lot just by visiting, you know, a lot of the feel and what we're supposed to do back there. But Jerome said, yeah, all these buckles in this all-star lineup is really good till they're all hurt, <laughs> but that's the reality. You know, football teams have injuries, but they have a 53 man roster and play 11 at a time. This deal is five bull riders at a time. A couple injuries can decimate a lineup and bull riding is a war of attrition anyway. So, you know, guys are going to get hurt, but when it happens all at once to, I mean, all of a sudden, Dalen Swearingen, Sage Kimsey, Josh Frost, uh, they're all hurt. You know, that is, that's a huge hit. And Carolina, Austin Dillon, the coach, Richard Childress, the owner, and you guys discovered that pretty, the hard way. Oh, we did. I mean, the only, the only game still to this day that we've had a full lineup is Cheyenne. You know, we go, we go 2-0 in Cheyenne, um, have the highest aggregate score over the two-day event and you know everything is is how it should be um <laughs> at least from our eyes right um and yeah I mean we're, we're coming out of there and everybody's riding good everybody's feeling good like all right you know let, let's go dominate the league um and then it literally like two days after Cheyenne's event I break my collarbone and it's like oh well <laughs> there yeah. goes safe he's out <laughs> six weeks um and then it was just kind of compounded I mean I don't know that anybody in our locker rooms real healthy. Like you said, it's blur riding is a war of attrition and we're all, we're all well aware of that, but um, it, it's been tough, but it, it's, it's also been good because, you know, we've, we've had to play musical chairs in the lineup a little bit, kind of, uh, you know, figure out what we have um, on our depth chart. And, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's really made us grow as a team. It, it's been, been way more difficult and the struggle has been, way more rough than what we probably would have wanted it to be, but uh, it's been good. Yeah. I, I want to go back to something though. You're talking about the team stuff, uh, you know, you did, you were hurt and, you know, I thought a, not a bad surprise, a, a surprise to a lot of people, a surprise higher on TV is the face of PRCA bull riding. Sage Kimsey does the analyst, the analyst job on PBR bull riding, which completely just made me happy to say we're all we all wear hats we're all good but uh about the team thing it's amazing i think it's a cool tour uh 
It's amazing how many people get angry when you mess with the format of bull riding or rodeo. Like it's still bull riding. If you don't like it, I tell people all the time, I'm not going to cheerlead you. I'm not going to try and tell you why you should like it. If you don't just, you don't have to watch. We'll be back in November with a regular season, but it's still bull riding. It, isn't that funny people, how they take it to heart the cowboy world when something's different. It, Oh, it's, it's crazy, honestly. And I do, I understand that it is very much so a, a change in tradition, right? And it's, it's not what people are familiar with. It's not what people are comfortable with. They, they've loved watching the PBR for 30 years and, you know, bored for longer than that. But it, I'm a hundred percent with you. To me, it doesn't, there's no negatives to it. Like it doesn't detract from the sport of bull riding at all. I guess the only thing is, um, you know, that our coach gets to set our matchups to where it's not like a true random draw, but really at the bare bones of it, that's the only difference competition wise from regular season to now. So if you love the sport of bull riding, you can still watch the sport of bull riding that you love. But the big thing to me is how many layers it adds from a fan point of view that we've never had before. Tom Murray said it best, in my opinion. It was it was the most simple way to put it, but the best way. We were doing the Cowboys for a Cause last year down at the King Ranch to support charity, and he said, uh, you know, with the team's deal, it's not just about one guy going out riding one bull, and that's it. Like, there's so many layers to it. And, you know, you bring the sports element of the draft class. You bring the sports element of everybody being on a team, which – I found out real quick, like I played team sports growing up, but being a good teammate to a bunch of professional bull riders is very difficult. <laughs> um, just with the energy that you bring on the back of the shoots, it's everything you do doesn't just affect you now. So I don't know. I, I love the concept. I think as far as bringing new fans in and giving someone a team to root for, this is the first time we've had home teams in the sport of bull riding ever. And I can tell you, like, we just had our homestand event, like you said, and the city of Greensboro, the support from, from North Carolina as a whole, it was awesome to see. And that's the thing is, is whether there's, you know, a bunch of Sage Kimsey fans in the stands or not, you're giving, you're giving these fans something that they can come root on their Carolina Cowboys now. And, and you have that all across the country with home teams and you see it, you know, first, first homestand was Kansas city and like they're packed out. They've got their orange and, and black and white and everything. And it, you see the team colors, you see the team, the team support. It's, it, it's way bigger than just bull riding now. And that's the really exciting point to me. Yeah. Um, I like, you know, I watch guys and I knew you were, you know, I, we've talked a lot about that. You play basketball, good basketball player. There's a lot of Cowboys that are Cowboys because they didn't want to be on a team. That's why they're Cowboys. And they were Cowboys since they were little and never played team sports. But I watch like you're a team guy, Nick Tetz from Canada, you know, hockey player, team guy. You can pick them out. I think there's this, there's this little uh, swagger demeanor of how to handle each other from guys who played team sports. I, I think maybe that's the next element. If they haven't already coaches and GMs look at a guy that went 
they say he played hockey or he played basketball. He understands the dynamic. Maybe that's somebody we pick up. Uh, maybe that's been discussed or not, but I think it's, I think it's real. I think that's a real factor. It, it is. It's kind of one of those, you know, intangible things like who intangible. knows what it actually Good word. means, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to the team, but it is, I think it's a big thing. And it, the one thing that I've noticed is like team morale has a big thing to do with team performance yeah. um, because it's tough, you know, watching, you know, say, say Cooper comes out and he's first out watching your world champ go down. Then it's like, how do we rally the troops to get, you know, the energy back up and get everybody, you know, back to focus, back to riding good. Cause at the end of the day, like you said, like it's only five outs. It's not like we have, an, an hour long game for, you know, Dalen to take over the ball game or for me or Boudreau mm -hmm. to take over the ball game. Like it's, you have one out, you have one shot. And then the rest of it is, you know, trying to support your team to where they have the best chance to ride. And you're talking about a, a sport that is riddled with failures and the fact that your best guys ride at 50%. So it's like, it, it makes it, tough and that there's a lot of chance involved so trying to minimize that is difficult yeah it's funny that and i go back and forth on some of it but it's funny being you know i'm on one side of the shoots for every game every ride it's funny when you're on a side and every they're getting ready and everybody's excited the other team hey carolina's first and i'm with the missouri team and they're watching and that first guy rides and he's 88 points and they just go Oh. I think that's like Austin, you know, the Austin team, Austin gamblers. I believe they've been so tough all year because Dalton castle rides so many bulls. The first out he didn't in Carolina, but that is a talk about a pin in your balloon of emotion. I mean, it's, it's tangible. It is palpable. I'll use, since we're using big words on the other side Either way, it, it's been kind of interesting to see the human emotion and the brain work like that. Oh, for sure. And it is, it's, I don't know. It's something that I've never really seen in this sport. And I mean, it's no different than it, it brings. So, you know, when Justin McBride's getting on camo to win the go buckle and all he's got to do is stay on, it brings that level of emotion, but it brings it four times every single night which you've never really seen it besides at the world finals you know right. predating teams which is yeah. so cool yeah okay let's uh you brought this up already but one reason and i for one i can't believe we haven't had you on here already i think i was just i was letting it i was waiting for an issue to come up so we had something cool to discuss how's that <laughs> <laughs> So, so end of July, as you said, everything's hunky dory. Everything's going smooth. Everything's going as it should, man. Sage Kinsey's rolling in the PRCA going to be looking, making run at the world title again, PBR teams at the same time. It's all going good. The, uh, one of the kiss of death of a bull rider, you land wrong, break your collarbone. <sighs> So, hey, no big deal if you're out six, seven, eight weeks. You've got enough money won. Everybody looks at the standings. Going to be at the NFR. The NFR now, there's enough money won. Everybody's in the hunt for a world title. But there's a rule. 
in the bull riding of the PRCA. Explain for one, I want to say up front, I understand the rule because I remember when the extreme bulls tour came about and I went, that's a good rule. Explain the rule of how to activate money and why it exists. Yeah. So the, the rule that has really affected me this year is um, that there's a ground rule for our extreme bulls that you have to enter and compete at four PRCA rodeos um, for your extreme bulls money to count in the standings, which that, yeah, I mean, so that's the rule, um, which like you said, totally understand why the rule is in there. Um, I, it, if you're healthy, if a guy is healthy and rodeos for a living, 40 rodeos is not too much to ask. Um, the big kicker on it is there is no medical exemption whatsoever. Um, you know, the rough stock events literally have rough in their name. So it obviously pretty dangerous, but, uh, you know, it, it's one of those deals that I understand why the rule is there, but also the rule is, is a little dated too, because like now, with all of our tournament style rodeos, like last year, I made the short round at all of them. I got on probably 30, 30 bulls and only went to six rodeos all winter. Um, so it's it's a little bit of a dated rule and I'd love for it to be amended and change, but I don't know that that's gonna happen, so. So yeah, the, basically the, I remember the concern was, hey, they're gonna have, we're gonna have this standalone, our own bull riding tour. It's gonna pay a lot of money, but we don't want guys to abandon the rodeos and the smaller rodeos. That's why you got to go to 40 for all the extreme bulls money to count. I never thought about the tournament style where you're getting on more bulls, but it still only counts counts as one rodeo is yeah. one rodeo. So you yeah. go to Cheyenne. If you go all the way through for people listening, that don't understand you go all the way through Cheyenne and you're the champion bull rider. How many bulls would you get on? So you get on, two in the long round to qualify for the semis. So there's three, and then you get on another one in the finals. So you're looking at, at four bulls and it's not just four bulls, it's four days in, in the biggest, hottest part of the summer. So say, say you don't enter Cheyenne, you go to um, just say Ogden, you go to Burwell, you go to Deadwood, um, you go to Preston, Idaho, you go to Joseph Oregon and you go to you know something else to round out your week. So you're talking about six rodeos and six days instead of you know go to Cheyenne for the week and and don't leave. Um, yeah, the, the tournament style changes everything, especially yeah. since all of our big winter rodeos are tournament style. A tournament style. I, I got to give you credit. I never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think about a lot of shit. Sage. I think yeah. about. Okay, so here you go, and you're looking. You start looking and you're going, I'm not going to be back until after Labor Day. So we'll call it the middle of September. Yeah. Wait a second. And you start going, I'm not going to have enough rodeos. All of that money that's showing in the standings, stream bowls, it's going to fall off basically, right? Yeah. So you make a decision to, hey, you got to enter rodeos and get on the bulls and that counts. But there's nothing really clear on what constitutes an out, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so that's, I have, I get hurt. It was like July 26th or 7th or something, maybe even 28th. Anyway, so I get hurt, um, you know, immediately my collarbone's just sticking up. Okay, probably going to have to have that fixed. We send everything to Tandy. 
Tandy's like, yep, definitely going to have to fix it. Um, so we're like, all right, whatever. I have surgery like August 1st or 2nd. Um, and again, for people that don't know, like we enter, especially our big rodeos, we enter them four to five weeks in advance. So by the time it's August 1st, I'm already entered in everything through about Labor Day weekend is, is about like the time frame of everything. Um, so anyway, I talked to Josh Frost, who's my traveling partner, and I was like, hey, man, just keep entering me and everything. Because a lot of the times with collarbones, you hear guys coming back in like two weeks and, you know, cool. So I was, like, I was just like, man, hopefully that's me, you know, like two weeks, Tandy will clear me, we'll be good to go. Um, so anyway, long story short, had him enter me and everything. And at that time, I, w- I already knew that. So I set out all fall and then didn't come back till mid-January with my shoulder um kind of had to nurse it along and just get on a few bulls um for the next couple months well injury strikes again most people don't even know this end of february um i rip one of my adductors partially off my pelvis um so have a growing tear there have to take about another month off um to get it kind of healed back up so i was only at six rodeos june 1st was, was all that i'd i've been to because extreme bulls don't count your rodeo count right um for for the 40 um so anyway it's i had i'd already went down through and i was going to be entered in 46 rodeos from you know when i came back to enter to our cutoff date which is um the last day in september so i had everything kind of looked down and i was like man like this is going to be tight but we're going to be all good like i had given myself six rodeos that if i was sore hurt whatever like i could turn out of um we're all good so josh kept entering me have my surgery i'm sitting at home kind of like well this sucks not going to get to make the nfr for the second second year in a row because the same same rule got me last year i only went to 11 rodeos last year and would have qualified for the finals um but you know like i said same rule got me last year well then i kind of started looking at everything um and josh and i had talked about it It was just like you know well you know it, it'd be cool if you could still like go and get it and i was like yeah man but like there's nothing it because with my collarbone it was one of those things and everybody knows you know tough heatman at the finals on on bodacious they they saw that and um you know, everybody kind of knows that that scenario. And I was kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, man, that'd be fine. But with a collarbone, that's kind of impossible to do, you know. So anyway, pull out the rule book and kind of go through looking at it to see what constitutes an out um, with the PRCA. And it's it's one of those things they didn't really have a rule for it. Um, bottom line, t- time started whenever the bull breaks the plane of the shoot with his inside shoulder. Um, so if I'm in contact with him, whenever he does that time would start. Um, and then, you know, I have to have my, my rope on my bull that has a bell on it. So I have to be holding onto that. Um, and then I would be disqualified immediately from, you know, touching the shoot. So that was, I had this plan kind of figured out and, um, I call, call Steve Knowles, head of rodeo administration, talk to him about it. Um, talk to Tom Glass about it. Talk to Rick Smith, the, the head of judging in the PRCA about it. Um, and all of us were kind of, you know, under the consensus that it's, it's not the best um, scenario at all, but it, you know, they're 
the PRCA really likes to go by their rule book and, and by rule that I wasn't breaking any rules. So that was what started the journey. Two weeks after surgery, I literally, I took, I, I finished up my pain medication the day before I flew out to go to Logan, Utah and do it for the first time. Huh. So did the, did they, are you good now? Is, did it work? <laughs> I, because I've heard, I, I'm standing by you in Ellensburg, Washington. And a judge, won't name the judge, he he said, I'm just doing my job, but you're getting a no, non-notified turnout here. It's not, and I'm standing there watching, and I don't know the, the depth of everything going on, but in my head, I'm thinking, wait, did you just change the rule halfway through on Sage? Or how the, what happened there? Is, is this, are you good? What's going on here? Yeah, there was a, there was quite a bit of pushback. Um, in, in theory, I should be good. I'm at 39 rodeos right now. My 40th will be the day before I fly out to Glendale to go to the PBR teams. Um, and like I said, in theory, that should be 40 and that should be good. I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see, you know, whenever, the PRCA final audit comes in. And like I said, in, in theory, that should be 40 rodeos. So. Um, I talked earlier about blowback, how people get angry about certain things in rodeo. I look, I happen to catch comments under a PRCA post when it showed what you were doing and fans blowing, blowing back as saying, this is bullshit that what about an honest effort, yada, 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 as if you are traveling around the country, completely healthy, just to get a rodeo count in. Cause you don't want to get on any bulls. There was no, it, it's funny. The mentality of no leeway that ain't cowboy. It isn't. So flying around to every rodeo you entered, spending your money to try and satisfy the requirement to me was absolutely an effort. I mean, it, again, it comes back to what we consider. That's not the cowboy way to do it. it is, I mean, hell, I saw you in Ellensburg, Washington. You couldn't get on a bull. You were still healing up, but you went all the way to Ellensburg, Washington. That just really, when you were, I, it, the first thing in my mind was, wow, that's a, that's a good effort. Like that's a, what a, what an intuitive thing to do still blowback though it, it's weird to me oh i think it's one of those things you're going to get blowback no matter what you're doing um you know and at the end of the day if you can look yourself in the mirror and you know shave your face and and feel good about what you're doing then that's really all that matters um it's it it does surprise me and even i mean fellow competitors, you know, the, the fans, everybody from top to bottom, there, there's been a bunch of support too. Don't get me wrong. Like there's been a bunch of people like, Hey, you know, go get the job done. But at the end of the day, it's, and I talked to my wife before, um, I was even doing this. She was like, well, like what, what, what's the point? Like, what are, what is this for? And I said, honestly, honey, I said, it's one of those things like this just comes down to a business decision for me. She was like, okay. I said, I'm going to spend, you know, 10, 12 grand in the next month and a half, just traveling around, cruising around the country, kicking these bulls out. 
And, you know, the NFR pays 30000 around and 80000 for the average. So it's one of those deals that a guy could walk out of Las Vegas pretty easy with a quarter million dollars in his pocket and, you know, have a shot at a gold buckle, which obviously it's – I'm, I'm going to be behind the eight ball, but it, uh, you know, could happen. And it's one of those deals, you know, luckily I'm, you know, financially able to do this. And, um, you know, the the ten or 12000 didn't, you know, bankrupt me and um you know hopefully like i said in, in theory i'll be able to to go to las vegas and and make a bunch of money and, mm -hmm. and support my family so that was that was where my head was at whenever i made the decision to do it for sure and no, and no hurry paying me back the 10 or twelve thousand. it's not a big deal yeah, right now i'm exactly. good right I now good friend. yeah, yeah you're good, good. Friend. you're good i don't know i just felt listen that i understand opinions how it can go either way number one you didn't make the rule Number two, you didn't get hurt on purpose. That's that's what it felt like. Like there was this, yeah, <laughs> I can't even explain it. Plus, um, I don't know it. I understand. Listen, we have every avenue in the world now to express our opinions. And if there's one thing social media and Cowboy Channel throwing rodeo out there every single day has taught everybody. It's something I kind of suspect kind of knew anyway. Rodeo fans are as opinionated and can be as big assholes as any other sports fans, right? They're sports fans. So they're going to come after something because that's what they're passionate about. Yeah. Oh, they care about it. Exactly. Right. And that, that's the thing is that, you know, I love the passion of the rodeo fans for sure. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, and this, me and Josh talked about it too. And, uh, you know, kind of just thinking about, you know, like not so much the optics, but what, what it really is, you know? And, and uh, we talked about it and both of us kind of came to the conclusion that if anybody had the chance to go travel around and, you know, foot 15 bulls out, for a chance to go right at the yellow bucket shoots that I really feel like I deserve to be there this year. Um, he was like, anybody would do that Sage. Absolutely. And it was one of those deals that, you know, and, and I think that that was the big thing. And even, you know, a couple of the competitors, one of them even came up and apologized to me. He was like, you know, at the start of this whole deal, he said, I didn't like what you were doing. I thought it was, you know, not right. And this and that. And he said, then somebody asked me like, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot, would you do it? And he said, you're dang right I would. For a chance to go win that kind of money to support my family, he was like, you're dang right I'd do it. And he mm -hmm. said, at that point, he said, I'm just sorry, man. Like, I should have never said a negative thing about it. And I said, hey, it, it's all good. But it is. It's one of those, you know, shoes on the other foot. What would you do? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's it's a, it's a It was interesting. I tried to keep up with it. And the fact that I was standing there, with you it happened to be the one kind of big rodeo i've been back there all year and i was in on that and uh, <laughs> i mean i won't say who the judge was but it was roy doyle anyway <laughs> but he was he he was he explained that roy doyle is a, a a pro rodeo official on every level um bbr prca college rodeo you see him everywhere and he said i'm just executing what i've been told to do basically yeah. so i should make that clear yeah, it was, a, it's an interesting story. And, and I hope when it's all said and done and the audit's done that you are at the NFR, uh, you're sort of like, 
the Steelers and Cowboys and Raiders of the NFL. The football's better when they're good. The NFR is better when Sage Kimsey's there. I mean, that's just how it goes. And I'm not blowing smoke up your ass because you got nothing I want. <laughs> you know, remember old you remember old Jimmy Anderson, the old bullfighter Jimmy oh, yeah. Anderson in the PBR. Early, I know you'd appreciate this. Early in my career when I was doing PBRs, at first they didn't like me. Those older guys didn't. I was doing it different, you know, and okay. I'll never forget one time we were at a PBR somewhere and he just came up to me and he was grouchy. Like, you know, grouchy old rodeo clown. He said, I got to tell you something. You're doing as good a job as I've ever seen anybody do. And I'm not blowing smoke up your ass because you got nothing I want. And he turned and walked away. Might have been the greatest compliment I ever got. In my life. And, and that was it. Yeah. That was it. That was it. Uh, you know, when you first came around and you had won a couple world titles and it came out, yeah, I want him. Donnie Gay has eight. I want eight or more. And I went, yeah, right. Whatever. It, because again, <laughs> it's a war of attrition, you know, bull riding, especially in the bulls you're riding these days. It, that's hard to do to stay at it that, um, that long. And here you are, you know, here you are with seven world titles. As a, it, it, when you look at yourself all those years ago, way younger, a different person, a kid without family, does it still, is it still in there that that's what you want to do? You want to get eight or nine. Is it as important to you now? Yes, but for different reasons now. Um, you know, originally it was just, yeah, like you said, young kid out there living his dream, riding bulls, putting money in his pocket and just rocking it you know but um now it's more so my, my motivation is more so switched over to the legacy part of it um and and what what i want steel to have to look up to um and, and that's way more important to me and it's one of those deals that I'm not going to give up no matter what. And and that's at the end of the day, you got two choices. Like you can either give up or give it all you got. And uh, the latter is going to be what I choose every time, whether it's bull riding or whether, you know, the, the next chapter in life, whatever it is, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to quit. So yeah, that's the biggest thing. Um, I heard something good about you the other day. That's it. I just wanted to tell you that. <laughs> so I'm thinking, Perfect. you know who I think it was? Cause I, we were in a meeting. I think it was Scott Schiffner who's been doing some analysis, you know, great. He, Scott's a, he was a great bull rider. We forget how good yeah. Scott Schiffner was up in Canada. And we were talking about as bull riders get older, what happens to sometimes how they ride bulls and how they go about it. He, I'm paraphrasing. He said, as careers move on, the injuries become inevitable. So your body starts to break down in certain areas. And what happens is subconsciously your riding style adjusts to protect an injury. So you're not doing things fundamentally sound like you would have earlier. He, he said like the basics and the technique are sacrificed to accommodate injuries. And so your riding changes. And he said, Sage Kimsey has had some major injuries and he's never changed the perfection of how he rides a bull and i thought that was interesting and a great compliment to you that that is a huge compliment um and, and i would i would challenge that a little bit but it, for the most part he is right but that was one of the things too is when 
when I was like devising my style because my style is not like how I naturally rode bulls. It's not something like, you know, I, I'm not the guy that's just like, well, I'm going to jump on and hold on and that's just hope for the best. So like everything, everything in the arena um, is devised and, and has a purpose to it. Um, and that was one of the things, you know, you, you look, and, and this is from a young age, probably when I was, you know, 15, 16 years old, I sat down and I was like, all right, you know, what's the, the obstacles that bull riders face? Well, the number one thing is staying healthy. So whenever I, you know, started devising my bull riding style, like that was the number one thing in mind was, you know, how do I stay healthy for over, especially over a long period of time? Um, so, you know, technically I feel like I ride bulls, you know, fundamentally very, very sound. Um, but I will say too, the older I get, it is a lot of work to keep my body moving and functioning properly. Um, you know, it's, you, you go through the laundry list of injuries and there's, it, it's not only, you know, the rehab process of that, but it's, you know, your, your body is a great, uh, it, it's great at finding compromises and, you know, recruiting other stuff to try to make it work and this and that. And, um, pretty much all of my time now spent in the gym is literally just getting my body to, you know, function properly. Um, because if everything's moving correctly, it's, it's usually pretty good for me. Um, but it's, it's a lot of work to, to have yeah. that be a thing. With that, the, the way you, you change working out, I used to, do you used to drive me crazy people saying, how long are you going to do this? You know, that was my, for the last seven, eight years. How long are you going to do this? When are you going to quit? Well, do you want me to? Well, no. Well, then why are you asking? You know, it's such a, do you, do you in your mind have a timeline? Like it, 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 I'm not saying when are you going to quit, but is there, do you evaluate how your body feels? Cause that's what I did and go, I think I can do that. I don't need like an exact timeline, but do you in your head sort of have that time? I, I mean, I sort of do. Yes. But also like, I'm not going to set limitations on myself either. Cause it's one of those things that. Hey, I know how much work I've done to keep my body at the point that it's set. And, you know, you look at some guys are done riding bulls at 25. Well, you know, I've already been on 1200 bulls in the professional ranks, which, you know, there, there's only about 2% of guys that ever hit that rank. So it's one of those deals that I think, I think I'll know when I'm done. Um, and Alexis and I've talked about it and, you know, it's, it's one of those deals that when I'm done, I, I want to be done. I don't want there to be any, any second thoughts or, you know, Oh, I could have done this, could have done this. Um, but I mean, that's another thing with, with the PBR teams, with our coaches getting to set us up on the matchups. Like it's, it's not crazy to think a guy, if, if he wanted to, which I don't think I will, but, like if a guy wanted to ride till he was 40 and kind of get, you know, babied along and his coach take care of him and have, you know, all week to to get everything ready. Like I I don't see why a guy couldn't go beat Tom Brady and, and ride bulls till he's 40 years old. Mm. Um Yeah, we looked I, last I last year Ryan Dirt Eater came out of retirement because he knew he could get matched up and take a night off. So uh Joao Ricardo Vieta's 39. And Cody Lambert really is finicky about what he puts him on taking care of him, not to interrupt, but, but yeah, we're kind of seeing it a little bit. 
Oh yeah. And, and it's going to be the next evolution. I mean, you, you go through the locker room and almost every team has some sort of physical therapist or, or trainer that is on staff with the team that, uh, you know, is helping the guys stay healthy, helping them stay fit. And I mean, we're talking about stuff, obviously, you know, the sports medicine team's always been there, but we're talking about like personalized care for however many days of the week it is. It's, it's not crazy to think a guy couldn't ride for a really long time. It's the, the big thing is, and this is kind of what I've, I've told several guys. Um, my thing is like, I don't want to be, I won't let it get to the point to where, you know, the young guys show up and they're just like, Oh yeah, well, you know, Sage is here, but whatever. Like mm -hmm. if I'm, if I'm entered, I want to be considered the guy in the locker room that everybody knows is going to be at the top of the leaderboard at the end of the weekend. So that's kind of going to be, it, it won't get past that point for sure. Yeah. I can relate to that. That was my goal always. I didn't want to be, Oh yeah. Remember, remember when he was pretty good? Like <laughs> maybe I reached that point, but I didn't think I did, you know, I, so I get that. That, that's important yeah. when you're passionate when when you feel you know why you do get blowback on things now that we've talked about you, athletes get blowback tom brady got blowback brett Favre when he couldn't re, when he couldn't retire got blowback <laughs> because there's if you really think about it there's a very limited number of people in the world that get to perform at a very high level at something that they are truly passionate about and truly love. If you really break it down, how many people get to do that? It's pretty low. So for those of us who have been in that situation, really hard to explain to somebody, you just don't understand that, that you really love what you do. It, yeah. It's hard to explain. Well, to great, greatness also like greatness is polarizing period because it, you either you either love it or you love to hate it straight up and it doesn't matter what you're talking about um and and like you said very very few people in the world like understand what it is to truly love what you do and you know be one of the best in the world at it it's uh it, it's really special and i wish everybody could you know yeah get to get to experience it but it's just um you know very few people actually do. Yeah, I know. It would be nice. So that I, like I, I said it in interviews, man, I was 55 years old and still got to be in a locker room and get introduced in a starting lineup. <laughs> you know, who yeah. the hell gets to do that? But, um, uh, you, you know what you got to dip your toe. Uh, listen, good TV commentating analysis. Somebody that has a good is well-spoken and can be on TV where, you know, you know, PBR always looking for someone that can be on TV is hard to find. You got to dip your toe in it in the middle of your career so that you can pocket it away and say, <laughs> I'm retiring someday. So you have that when you're done, everybody will clamor and say, Sage is done bull riding, but he has done really well at TV let's snatch him up and you can still stay involved in the lifestyle involved in the culture while doing TV. Notice I gave you a little co uh, compliment there at the same time. So that that's a good thing to have in your pocket going forward. Honestly. It, it, it's an awesome thing to have in your resume. And I mean, that's, that's one thing is thank you for the compliment by the way, but <laughs> um, it, it's one of those deals that 
you know, you get the question all the time. Well, what are you going to do after this? You know, whether I'm selling used cars or whether I'm, I'm rodeoing, like if, if I put my whole heart into anything, I'm going to be at least moderately successful at it. Um, so it, it's one of those things that it does. It op opens up a whole, a whole world of opportunities with, with having a little bit of the TV background, um, you know, getting to do that last year was it, it was a huge, a huge deal for me. And especially, like I said, it, whenever the PBR called, like I'd literally, literally just had surgery and, you know, was at the house going to be out for six months, no paycheck, no work. Um, so it was, it was cool to get to do that. And like I said, it, as far as a resume builder, um, you know, to have that. And, and the biggest thing for me is, uh, you know, really before the team's, deal we've never had a um oh i don't know how to how to describe it i we've never really had a a system in place that we can take the knowledge and the expertise from guys that have done sport for you know 40 years and funnel it to a place to where the young kids get get to learn from all the experiences of the legends they asked um, and I mean, you see it with, with all of the coaches. I mean, all of the coaches are legendary guys. And now you put them in this team environment, you bring the coaches. the, the lessening of the learning curve of bull riders is going to be awesome to see moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, whether it's, whether it's TV, whether it's, you know, being part of the T PBR team somehow, um, th that's one thing that I'm really passionate about is, is helping, um, the young bull riders get better, um, and better is a very vague, broad term. I understand that, but it's, you know, shortening the learning curve for them, um, is huge. Cause you, you know, you look years past it's, you turn 18, you buy your permit, you buy your card and, uh, you either make it or you don't good mm -hmm. on you, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah. getting it set up in a team setting. Like you, you take a guy like, like Caden Loud's a perfect example or, or Trace Red, who's with the Texas Rattlers now. It um, you bring these eighteen-year-olds in, in, and you can kind of, for one, protect them with the bulls that you're putting them on this, that, the other, and then you also get to throw them right in a locker room with, like you said, like a Joao Ricardo Vieira, or you know somebody on Carolina come in, me, Coop, Dalen. Like you've got three world champions on the same team, and <clears throat> not to mention a world champion coach, mm -hmm. and just an all around great family and Tiffany and Jerome Davis right in your corner. It's we've never had leadership like that. And it, it's so cool to think about like what the future is going to look like, because it's not, it's not just individual. I know I'm getting a, a little bit off topic now, but no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. It, it, it's one of those things that leadership in bull riding is, is finally, there's an Avenue for it now. So yeah. it, it's really exciting, whether it is, like I said, the, the TV deal, the head coaches, like the, there's a lot of opportunities now, um, you know, for, for retired bull riders straight up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I agree completely. I, I agree with that. You did not get off topic at all. Um, real quick before, before I don't keep you all day, I do this with most bull riders we have on here because it, it's constantly number one. I am so tired of the word or the letters goat. Holy crap. It's everywhere. Oh, the goat, the goat. Calm down. For one, it's worn out. But when you look, you got to exclude yourself. Okay. 
And you look and somebody says, because it comes up all the time, who's the greatest bull rider of all time? In your mind, in your vision, you look who pops in your mind, greatest bull rider of all time. Mm. <laughs> it's hard when you have to do it. <laughs> well, so it, you, it's not you can, because it's like, it, it's Donnie Gay, 100%. Like it, you want the short, short, sweet, precise answer. Like it's Donnie Gay. And I understand, you know, everybody, the argument of, oh, well, he went to so many more rodeos. He did this, he did this. Well, work ethic is part of it, period. And Donnie Gay outrode, outworked, and outlasted everyone else. Mm -hmm. Eight gold buckles doesn't lie. My, my deal's Donnie Gay. Don't get me started in the whole thing. <laughs> no. Like, for me, it's like Mount Rushmore, right? Like, you, you say, you know, the goat debate. <laughs> Mount Rushmore pops up, and I see like 27 faces. <laughs> no, <laughs> me too. Along Mount Rushmore. But yeah, I mean, if I had to just pick one, it's 8X. Can't go wrong well, with it. I think it was Brendan Clark. Uh, put it a good way. I think he, he just put what we're all thinking. People then go, well, they weren't getting on the bulls that they were now. They weren't. Yeah, but if he was, he'd adapt and be great on those two. I mean. Oh, it's no different. You know, how many three-point shots did Bob Cousy make? None. The three-point <laughs> shot wasn't even a thing. There you you know what I mean? But you can't you can't say that, you know, any of those guys from years past, it's I, – I don't think you can, like, compare generations. Personally, in sports, period, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. Um, because the evolution of sport is just – it, it always keeps getting better. And like the reason that, you know, I'm as successful as I am. And, and the reason that like, you know, 18 year old John Krimber coming along, like if it wasn't for the people that paved the way for you, you would never have the opportunity that you do. So it, it's one of those deals that I never, I, I never look at it and like, Oh, like I want to be better than Donnie. Like, no, like I should be better than Donnie from a, like a technical writer standpoint like I should be a better bull rider than Donnie Gay was, but like you said, it, you know, you bring Donnie Gay out of the seventies and eighties and bring him in to today's world, like they're going to win. And I promise you, he'd be at the top of the leaderboard more often than not. And you know who the first one to tell you that would be Donnie Gay. <laughs> not Donnie Gay. Ah, <laughs> uh, shoot. Um, well, I appreciate all the thoughts. I, I do want to tell you, and I, I think I was good about telling you this, even when you were first coming about, everybody tries to do the PBR, PRCA, and the PBR this, and the, you know, look at Sage, he's in the PRCA. And I, I always tried to make a point to tell you, a good bull rider is a good bull rider. I don't care what the letters in front of it are. And you're showing that now. Now you're coming doing PBR stuff, but till it's still rodeo. I think there's feels like it's doing this a little more. And that feels good to me because I'm a rodeo kid. I love going the NFR. There's no bigger thrill for me than rolling my barrel out in front of those yellow shoots in my entire career. So I hope you know that. I've always thought that good bull riders, good bull riders. And I've always thought that. I think technically, like you said, you know, you're, you could be on that, you'd be on that mountain of 27 faces. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate uh, it. No, it is. It's, uh, you know, it, and it's one of those things, like we said, like, I love the fact that the fans are so, so passionate because it means they care. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's, you know, PBR, PRCA, if you can ride rank bulls, 
you're going to make a good living and have a lot of fun doing it. So it's all good. That's right. That's right. Well, it's good to see you every weekend. You know, that's the plus with all this good to visit. Good to BS with you uh, when we get to, and um, I appreciate you, man. I'm glad you took the time today. Well, likewise, Flint, um, you know, you, you've, you've done more for, for the sport of rodeo and bull riding than, than most people would give you credit for. Um, and uh, uh, always been a great ambassador and always, um, you know, re really, really elevated the game. So, uh, you know, for, for me, from a fan's perspective of Flint Rasmussen, I, I really have always appreciated that. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that.